0: Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is Our Chosen Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So we're going to finish talking today about different tyrannies, and there are so many more. We've been talking all fall about the tyranny of religion, tyranny being cruel, oppressive rulership, and religion is a supernatural controlling power. And a tyrant is a cruel, oppressive ruler. And we've talked about many different ones. And honestly, I could go on all next year because there are so many. But I believe that when we come back in January, uh, the Lord has a new song for us to sing. And so we're going to start something different. There's nothing new under the sun, but the word is truth. It's always truth. It never changes. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. We cannot exhaust it. It is limitless immeasurable. And so it's such an honor and privilege just to have his word, knowing that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If your life is not full of grace and truth, it's time to rise above your circumstance. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But, but I have come that you may have and enjoy life in abundance to the full until it overflows. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there are storms. When the storm comes, it cannot blow your house down if you're built on the rock. I'm pretty sure that, what was that called? The three little pigs? I'm pretty sure that was based on scripture. (laughs) You know, the big bad wolf and... You remember all that stuff. But during this season, I actually, once again, my message changed for today. And I'm kind of getting used to it because the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. And I want my mindset on the Holy Spirit. I don't want my mind set on the reports of the world. I don't want my mind set on the reports of man. They do come. And sometimes they're hard. Very often they're hard. But there is a word and a name above every name. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe, high above evil and strong. Proverbs 18.10, I didn't write that song, I Speak Jesus. Who's that by? Uh, Charity Gale, maybe? Anyway, but I do. I speak Jesus over my household every day. I hope you do too. And so when that voice comes, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. All you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus, no, you won't. My house is built upon the rock. The storms cannot shake my house. But you need to speak against the storm. You need to let your voice be louder than the voice of the storm. And so today, because I am seeing so many attack on people's minds, on people's lives in general... So many attacks and so much depression. And I know that Isaiah 54 says, you will be far from even the thought of oppression or destruction, for you will not fear. Terror will not come near you. Now, that's what God says. So if it comes near you, speak to it. And I've told this story many times. Brand new believer. We were way back on Bandera in those days. Brand new believer. And I think she came a few times. And this was before text, so I don't even remember how she got a hold of me because we couldn't text, we couldn't DM and XYZ and whatever on earth is happening now, I can't even keep up with it. But she somehow, I think, yeah, she wrote me a letter. Yeah, remember those? (laughs) I think it's called snail mail. And for 60 cents a stamp, I have another word for it, but I won't say what it is. And so she wrote me a letter, and she said, I've struggled with fear all my life. And she said, uh, today I was just absolutely tormented, and that's what fear does. It torments you. I was absolutely tormented, and all of a sudden, I heard your voice. And loud, your voice said, speak to that fear. And she said, I opened my mouth, and I spoke to it. For the first time in my life, It left. God's kingdom is voice activated. Yes. Don't forget it. Yes. So when the tormenting thoughts come and the fearful reports and the bad news and the things that upset you when they come, remember, the kingdom of God is voice activated. Yours, yes. your voice, open your mouth. I think, I think, Cindy, you gave this to me. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. There's a, prob- a psalm. And it says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Remember, didn't you give that to our dentist? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, that's really not funny, but it was cute. <laughs> she gave him a calligraphy, our, our dentist. He's now with the Lord. And it said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And he hung it on the wall. <laughs> but my idea is to close my mouth. I don't want fillings, especially at my age. Or crowns, or to be actually touched other than have teeth clean. So... Anyway, so all the the trials that need to come or that are coming against us now. And, you know, my dad went to medical school. And um, before he finished, World War II broke out. And so he had to go fight in World War II. But I remember something he taught me in medical school that he learned. And that was the light is always the brightest before the candle burns out. But I'm telling you, the light is the brightest when the candle burns out. But the dark is the darkest right before dawn. So, with all the trials that are occurring now, I'm telling you, dawn is on the horizon. And I know that by the Holy Spirit. Why is this happening? Well, I've shared this with you before, but before we get into today's message, I'm going to share it with you again. Revelation 12, 10 through 13 tells us what is happening. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now, now it has come. The salvation, the power, the kingdom, the dominion, the reign of our God, and the power, the sovereignty, the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren. He who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night has been cast out. And they've overcome him by means of the blood of the lamb, by the utterance of their testimony, voice activated, for they did not love and cling to life even when faced with death, holding their lives cheap until they had to die for their witnessing. And you know there are parts of the world where people are still dying for their witnessing. And I know in this country, we don't think that will ever happen. But I have news for you. We're the frog in the boiling pot, people. And if the church doesn't wake up, It is our responsibility to change this nation. It is not the government's. It's our responsibility. Voice activated. Therefore, here you go, be glad, O heavens, you that dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in fierce anger and fury. He knows he has only a short time left. And when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, He went in pursuit of the woman who had given birth to the male child. Who's the woman? The church. church. I don't understand what's happening. Well, I just told you. The devil knows he has a short time left, so he's going to go in pursuit of the people of God and anybody else in the path. Daniel 7, 25 through 27. And the enemy shall speak words against the Most High God, And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High God and think to change the time and the law, and the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, two times and half a time. Now, this is the middle of the tribulation that it's talking about. But the plan is still the same. He speaks words against the Most High God. It sounds like this. Has God said? And he wants to wear out the saints... He wants to wear out the saints. But the judgment shall be set by the courts of the Most High, and they shall take away the dominion to consume it gradually and to destroy it suddenly in the end, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High God. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. So we don't have anything to worry about. The enemy's come with great wrath. He knows his time is short, and he wants to wear off the saints of the Most High God. But if we will remain strong and steadfast, rooted and grounded in love, and know that we shall live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, we'll wear him out. And he will be cast into the great lake of fire forever and ever and ever, and chained. I love that part. Not just cast, but chained. And so today, we're going to talk about two tyrants. One leads to the other. And the first one that the Holy Spirit spoke to me about is the tyrant of reason. Now, I'm not talking about, hey, let me give you a reason for this. I'm not talking about 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We're talking about the reason where we are reasoning the Word of God And talking ourselves, or letting the enemy talk us out of the truth. The definition of reason is the power of the mind to think, understand, and form judgments by a process of logic. It's when you let the report of the world and the report of man overpower the report of the Lord. Now, I don't have time to go into scriptures, but I want to challenge you to start looking up scriptures that read like this this is the pharisees and they reasoned in their heart constantly they reasoned in their heart they let logic what the doctors said what the report said what the financial status is what the economic report is what the report on the bad report on the children is They let reason talk them out of truth. I refuse to do that. What happens when things happen that you don't understand? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I do not lean on my own understanding. I acknowledge him in all my ways, and he will direct my path. The Amplified Classic says he'll make your path straight. Because let's face it, there's a lot of things we won't understand. And I hear people say, well, we'll understand when we get to heaven. You won't care when you get to heaven. (laughs) For when you see him, you will be like him. You're not going to have a list of Jesus. Before I get my mansion, I have some questions that I need you to answer. No, no, you're just going to worship him. You're just going to worship him. You're going to run through the green fields of heaven where nothing dies. I've read reports of people that went to heaven and for whatever reason that the Lord ordained, God sent them back. Glory to God. And one thing they noticed in the first place is that there's no color on earth that can equal the colors in heaven. I always love reading that, that the flowers are these brilliant, alive colors that surpass any color of heaven. My favorite colors, if somebody says, what is your favorite color? I'd say emerald green. Absolutely my favorite color. But anything vibrant, anything jeweled, that's, those are my favorite colors. And yet, it will top those colors in heaven. But the other thing that is so significant is they notice when they run through the fields and they step on the flowers, they just spring right back up to life. Well, there's no death in heaven. I mean, do we think of things like that? How glorious. How absolutely glorious. Do they have to go cover their plants because we might get a freeze? (laughs) I don't think so. But repeatedly, the Pharisees reasoned in their heart. And reasoning leads to fear and doubt. Using that logic, using the power of your mind for logic to reason things out. Or this didn't, they believe God, this didn't happen. So it must not be true. That's what the church of old did. That's why half the Bible, it's like, I love what Rick Godwin says. Who has the authority to edit the word of God? But that's what's happened. And because we want to understand everything. And so we reason it out. and We edit the word. We take our red pen. X. And one thing I learned from Rick among many things is if it made it through the cross, it still stands today. Amen. What are you talking about? Okay, food laws. There were strict laws in the old covenant of things you could not eat. You could not, anything with a divided hoof, like a rabbit. Or uh, what are those things called in the ocean? The crust, the um, shellfish, things like that, P- pigs. I mean, personally, I don't eat pork. You know why? Because that's who the demons chose to be driven into. So I just don't like it. But, but you can have all you want. You can have a pound of bacon. It's perfectly lawful. What happened? It was abolished in the cross. All those food laws never made it through the cross. You can eat whatever you want. You can go buy a five-pound bag of sugar. Eat the whole bag. I used to do that. It's lawful. It might not be good for you, but you can do it. You can go home and fry a rabbit. Have fried rabbit. It's fine. It made it through the cross. It didn't make it. It did make it through. I mean, it was abolished at the cross. But if it wasn't abolished at the cross, it still stands today. And that's a very simple rule to remember. So, don't reason the word of God. So let me give you two examples of reasoning, and I just think these are so excellent. Now, let me also establish that in Genesis 3 1, is the first example of reasoning. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, and he said to the woman, As God said, as God said, what was he getting her to do? Use logic. And then he continued. Well, God knows if you eat, you'll be like him. He reasoned with her. You'll know good and evil, even though they were already like him. But they didn't know evil. God wanted them to know evil like he knew evil in that he's totally separate from it. If I ask you how many people in this room have never once ever said or done anything evil, you would be lying if you raised your hand. And I don't see any newborns. You'd be lying. He wanted them to know evil in that I have nothing to do with it. I don't think it. I don't speak it. I don't touch it. But he reasoned. And so what happened? Eve began to reason. Well, she saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she ate of it. And then she gave it. When I do premarital counseling, I always do this. And 100% across the board, couples go, (gasps) Now, if you've been with me any time, you already know this. But you know that Adam was standing right there the whole time, and he heard the whole thing, right? The command was given to man. The apostle Paul said it was not the man who was deceived, it was the woman. He knew exactly what he was doing. It says, she ate and she gave it to her husband with her. So be careful, ladies, if you're married, what you feed your husband. I know what will set Randy off. So I, I, sometimes, I mean, I'll think twice before I tell him something that I know is going to set him off. Because I don't want to be a stumbling block to him. And sometimes I do it anyway. <laughs> which is wrong. <laughs> hey, I'm just being honest. Genesis 11:33 Oh, excuse me. John 11. John 11:33. 11, when Jesus saw Mary sobbing, now this is when Lazarus died, and the Jews came with her sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He chafed in spirit and he sighed and he was disturbed and he said, "Where have you laid him?" And they said, "Lord, come and see." And Jesus wept. Now everybody said Jesus wept because he was sad that Lazarus died. That's ridiculous. In this case, come, let us reason together. He knew what he was going to do. He wept at their unbelief and doubt. And the Jews said, they reasoned, see how tenderly he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened a blind man's eyes have prevented him from dying? Now, Jesus, again, sighing repeatedly and deeply disquieted, approached the tomb. It was a cave and a boulder lay against the entrance to close it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, exclaimed, but Lord, he re- she reasoned by this time he stinketh. I mean, yeah, he'd been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you and promise you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then she got out of reason and she said, roll away the stone. And you know the rest. Lazarus came forth and yes, he was bound. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Because then reason had died. (laughs) They just witnessed the resurrection of the dead. Really dead. I don't mean fresh dead. Four days dead. And he did it on purpose. He did it on purpose. But reasoning could have kept that from happening. Because she reasoned. He stinks. Reason always leads to fear. You hear the report. You've got the promise of God, but you choose the report. You begin to reason. I must not have heard God. This must not be so. Everybody's done that. Reasoning is an enemy of the truth and it'll lead to fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit, but of Power, love, and a sound mind. You see, chosen 2022 was chosen fearless. Fearlessness leads to power. But fear will disempower you every time. That power and that love and a sound mind is voice activated. You better use your voice. 1 John 4, 16 and 18. I'm not going to, I could give you, as you know, hundreds of fear not scriptures. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to get to the root of why we fear. I've done this hundreds of times, but you know what? I have to remind myself all the time. And I've walked this walk going on 50 years. Now, if I have to continually do this and I've walked this walk for 50 years, I bet you, you do too. Because there are not many people in this room that are older than me. Most of you are younger than me. So I know what I'm talking about. 1 John 4, 16. And we know, we understand, we recognize, and we are conscious of by observation and experience. And we believe and we put our faith in the love God cherishes for us. God is love. Love. And he who dwells in love dwells in God, and God dwells in him. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, who is he? Love. As he is, so are we in this world. Now, the apostle of love, John, who thought he was Jesus' favorite, said under the inspiration of the holy spirit as he is so are we so as god is so am i god is love i am love and then i have a choice whether i'm going to walk out who i am or am i going to reason who the liar has told me i am or who people have told me i am There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love and has not grown into love's complete perfection. These are very powerful verses. There is no fear in love. God is love as he is. So are you in this world? There is no fear in who he is because he's not the punisher. Fear has punishment. So if you fear punishment, if you fear God has a baseball bat, if you fear he's after you and oh, no, I missed the mark today, I'm going to get in trouble. And the accuser of the brethren is going shame on you. Well, there's no shame on you if you stay under the blood. The blood of Jesus cleanses me of all unrighteousness. I just have to get into agreement with God. Okay, Lord, I messed up today. I missed the mark today. Forgive me. Cleanse me with your holy blood. By your grace, I purpose to not do that again. It's that easy. But here's the biggie, and I've shared this many times, and I will share with it the rest of my life. You've got to get to the root of the fear. And the root of fear is always the same. The root of fear is, I don't really believe God loves me. There's still a question mark in my heart. I just read it to you. There's no fear in love. Dread does not exist. I just read it to you. So if you have fear, now I don't mean if the force of fear comes against you. That can happen to anyone but you don't have to let it reside in you. Last year, this month, a year ago, I was leaving a funeral. And you know how the sidewalks do this in Texas. I mean, the ground shifts. And, and uh, people were talking to me, and I was distracted. And it was about a, maybe a two-inch ledge. I didn't see it. My foot caught on it, and pow, I planked. I mean, Hard. And I had my water bottle in my purse. And I try not to do that, and I'm just going to warn you, don't. And because I did, my purse fell in front of me with force. And after I fell, I fell over twice my purse. And my face hit the ground, my wrist. I mean, I was, I was injured. I was bruised. Had my, The side of my face was bruised. My knees, my I mean, I was... I still, I had to go have all my rings made bigger on, for this hand because my finger never went back. I'm typically a five and a half. I had, had to have everything changed to six and a half. And so, but, you know, I was okay. I got up, drove off, and, you know, t- took authority over trauma, which you should always do if you're hurt because trauma will reside in your subconscious. And so, so I, was, I was fine, a little sore, but I was fine. That night, I got into, I think, some of the worst pain I have ever been in my left wrist. I mean, it was the way I know it was level 10, because I've been in hospital rooms, and you know how they have the scale of one to 10 for pain. And by the time you're level 10, you are sobbing. You've all probably seen that. And I was sobbing, and Randy was just, What do I do? What do I do? I was in horrific pain. I can't describe it to you. And I just said, pray. So he finally did. I mean, he was just really concerned about me. And after he prayed, it just started to, you know, start just going down like this from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and probably got down to about a 3, which, you know, is bearable. And I was so confused. And so I talked to my daughter that that is an RN, and I said, I just don't understand that. My wrist didn't even hurt. And you know, she said something to me that I didn't even know. I mean, you're going to ask me, how could you be your age and not know this? She said, you do understand that adrenaline is a natural anesthetic. She said, it's like a narcotic, mom. And when your adrenaline wore off, the pain set in. I thought, I wish I could bottle adrenaline. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, but drugs can be harmful. This wasn't, this was helpful. And so, at any rate, I don't even know why I told you that story. But the point is that I've learned, and I learned this from my spiritual father, to say, God loves me and I will not fear. Because the root of all fear is you do not have an absolute, convicted, unmovable, unshakable knowledge of the love of God. What do you do about that? You just say, Father, Romans 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. That means it's a work of the Holy Spirit to reveal your great love to me. And I'm giving you permission to do that for me. And he will. And he will. And he'll take you from being fearful to being a daughter who is loved and cherished. And it is so special. Somebody gave me the most beautiful ornament. And it lights up. And she said, the Lord told me to give this to you. And it's from the Father. And it says, daughter, I love and cherish you. And it was so meaningful to me. I think I'm just going to have to leave it out after Christmas. So I'm just here today to to quickly tell you, because we're going to finish early. That if you don't really know and believe God loves you, as evidenced, that you are fearful. Or that when a spirit of fear attacks you, you yield to it. Get back in the flow of love. Cut fear off at the root. Not, not by rebuking it and doing a war dance and taking fear courses, but praying, Ephesians 3, that you would be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all the saints the width and breadth and light, length and height of his love that far surpasses knowledge, so that you can be filled to all the fullness of God. It's that easy and that hard. I want to give you another example of reasoning. And this is the story of the boy that was demon-possessed. Mark 9:17. And one in the throng of people replied to Jesus, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit. Whenever it lays hold on him to make him his own, isn't that amazing that evil spirits want to own you? It dashes him down and convulses him. He foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth, he falls into a motionless stupor. He's wasting away. And I asked your disciples to drive it out, and they were not able to do it. And Jesus answered, oh, unbelieving generation, without any faith, how long shall I have to do with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And so they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him at once, it completely convulsed the boy. He fell to the ground, kept rolling about, foaming at the mouth. Well, I mean, do you know demons can be stupid? They did this in front of Jesus. And it's like that expression goes, you can't fix stupid. And Jesus asked the father, well, how long has he been like this? And the father said, from the time he was a little boy. And it has often thrown him into the fire and into water, and it's intended to kill him. But here you go. He's going to reason. If you can do anything, do have pity on us. I mean, whenever I read this, the fear of God comes on me. And Jesus said, you say to me, if you can do anything. I love Jesus. Why, all things, all things can be possible to him who believes. And at once, the father of the boy gave an eager, piercing, inarticulate cry with tears. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I like to say it like this. Lord, I do believe, but reason has overtaken me. He's been like this since he was a little boy. Nothing has helped. Nothing has helped. Help my unbelief. Help me not walk by what I see. Help me not walk by a parent's broken heart. Help me not walk by what people are saying to me. Help me not walk by this bad report. I do believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus noticed a crowd of people came running over, and he rebuked that unclean spirit, and he said to it, you deaf and dumb spirit, I charge you, come out of him. That's the only time in the Bible he said, and never come back again. How would you like to hear Jesus say that to you? In an area you've had a stronghold. Don't ever come back again. I love that. And after giving, you know, because the devil doesn't leave without a show, a horse Clamoring, fear stricken streak of anguish and convulsing him terribly. It came out, and the boy lay pale and motionless like a corpse, so that many of them said, ha, He's dead. But Jesus took a strong grip of his hand and he began lifting him up, and he stood. I had a prophetic word to be given in 1984. I was in a very dark place. I actually had postpartum depression. And you don't know how dark that is unless you've had it. And a prophetic word came to me from someone. And it said, don't be fearful to give me your hand to hold. Just let me mold. You know one touch of Jesus' hand. Fear not, I am with you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He took a strong grip and lifted him up, and the boy stood. And when he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, because I'm sure they were humiliated, why could not we drive it out? And he replied to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Now, not all manuscripts, by the way, have fasting. Some of them do, some of them don't. So there's a lot of controversy but I can tell you, most days, I do not eat before 11 o'clock. <gasps> but breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Well, I'm alive and I'm healthy. Why? Because I just spend, the, I spend that time with the Lord unless I have to be somewhere like here. And then I'll, I'll start ministering to people after 11. But I have to have oil in my own lamp. I have to. I can't give out what I don't have. And this morning, I just reread Matthew 25, and I'm saying this to all of you during the probably busiest time of the year. And by the way, you don't have to go Christmas shopping. Just get your phone. You can order everything online. (laughs) Honestly, I can hardly think of anything that I have bought that I did not order. It's so time-saving, so appreciate the times we live in. I don't know how to do that. Ask your grandchildren. They'll do it for you. Just hand them the credit card. It's very easy. And they'll probably order some things for themselves too, so. But it's in that place that I hear so clearly. I hear so clearly. Yesterday I wrote out, My covenant declaration in the courts of heaven. I meant to bring it today. So if I remember, I'll bring it next week and read it to you. This kind, what kind? Well, if you look up the Greek, it's an interesting root. It means family. So could that be this family of demonic spirits, generational, familiar, familial spirits cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting? Or could it mean the family of unbelief that generational doubting cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting? Regardless, whatever family is ministering to you, you don't have to live in ungodly generational things, curses, beliefs, whatever. I hear people all the time, well, this runs in the family. Well, if you say so. In my family, I'm cutting that off. It was abolished in the cross. Speaking of things that were abolished in the cross, the dominion of sin was paid for by the blood of Jesus. Disease and sickness, paid for by the stripes of Jesus. Lack and shortage, paid for. The punishment for our peace paid for. And I am rising up with every bit of faith in me to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. It's not going to be handed to you on a silver platter. Sorry, but it won't. The violent take it by force. So don't you tell me what runs in the family. I'm not having it. You know, you go to a doctor for just a regular, you know, get your annual labs or whatever you do. And what do they have? They want you to list everything that was in the family. I won't do it. I'm not telling you not to because it's according to your faith. I'm just saying I'm not having that pinned on me. You know why? In my life, that's pinned the tail on the donkey. And I don't want to be the donkey. (laughs) But you can. I'm not saying not to. I'm just talking about... Where my fa- that's where I am, that's all. That's where I am. And it took me a long time to get there too, by the way. This kind cannot be driven out by anything, by but by prayer and fasting. So whatever's in your family line, you want to drive it out. It's going to take violent, fervent prayer, and maybe depriving yourself of something. That doesn't mean you have to give up eating. There's a lot of different forms of fasting. I think one of the greatest forms of fasting these days is put your phone down. When Randy and I go on dates every week, we just marvel because we like to watch couples. And you know, it's amazing how many people don't talk anymore. Husband has his phone looking at his phone. Wife has her phone looking at her phone. Do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they're texting each other. I've seen wives tell their husbands, put your phone down. So if I have my phone out, it's because I'm showing Randy pictures of the grandkids and things like that. But I'm telling you, you try it. Put your phone down. Spend 10 minutes just praying in the Spirit. Don't look at your phone. See how hard it is. See how much your flesh is screaming. But there's an emergency and you're going to miss it. (laughs) But what did we do before we had phones? Those kind of phones anyway. Many years ago, I heard, this is many years ago, I was driving on 410, I think. And I, it, was, it was so many years ago, it was back in the old tape, when, what were they called? Tapes. That's how many years ago it was. Cassette tapes. And, and she said, most of you ought to take a year off and do nothing but walk on your love walk. And I did. I took a year off and that's all I did. And you know what? I still have to do it today. If I feel out of sorts, I don't feel right. I feel like God, if I violated the law of love, I'll go to 1 Corinthians 13. Verse by verse, love is patient. Love is kind. And then when I get to the love is not touchy, fretful or resentful. Bingo. Maybe I was touchy today. Maybe something happened and I just felt resentful. Or maybe I I worried. Love never fails. Faith works through love. So I just want to encourage you. In this season, the biggest thing you can focus on is the royal law of love. Where there is no tyrannical rule of bitterness, envy, jealousy, insecurity, diminishment, shame, strife, anger, bitterness, grudges, comparison, depression, inferiority. God is love and love is power. So many years ago, I had a prophet in my home. And I'll never, ever forget it. He asked me to stand up. And the prophetic word to me was this. You shall be known as a chapter 13 person. And I knew immediately it was 1 Corinthians 13. And that's how I want to be known. I want to be known as a chapter 13 person. Is that ever challenge? <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe it. But I always get back on that track of love. I'm going to close by reading you this. It came out on November 23rd. And I just thought, wow, this is a word for us. It is so powerful. Do not allow your head to talk your heart out of my promise. The setbacks in your life at this hour are really setups from heaven to transition you into a place of yoke easy and burden light. I know it isn't comfortable, but you did say you trust me, right? Then don't change your mind now. I will not leave you where you are because I'm not willing for you to live without the fullness of my joy. I am increasing the pressure not to destroy you, but to eject you from the restriction and impediment into liberty and full blessing. The way things look right now is not your permanent spiritual or even your natural environment. Get ready to change embrace change, seek change, make change. Give me some change, says the father. I will give you some transformation. It's a new day. It's a new day. And you are walking with me as of this hour in a new way of life and a new way of making the decisions that govern your future. You are going to have to jettison the old mentality and wed your mind to your faith. And here you go and put your faith in charge where once natural reasoning ruled. Get up, says the Father. Get up and shake yourself, for the launching of a new blessing is at hand in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.